Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle! Morning, Mon. What are you thankful for this morning? I'm thankful that it's Friday on the day that we're recording this. <laughs> Who knows what day it is that this is being aired? Because I like, think you've been thankful for Friday before. I've been so... I think you've been thankful for Friday every time we've had a Friday. If Friday's a human, I would marry Friday. I'm just saying. That's just that's just weird. That's just <laughs> that's just like that's so messed no, it's up. Just, it's like this, what on earth even we both, I don't even know how to comment on that. We it's both like, have to admit that this week has been a pretty pretty full on <laughs> week for the two of us. And I'll be sharing more about that in later in the show. show. In today's show. Lyle <laughs> makes a fool of himself. <laughs> to make up for the fact that Mons are making a fool of herself all the rest of this week. Yeah, no, what, what happened what actually happened was that um Mon was feeling bad, and so I had to you yeah, know, make sure. a fool of myself. <laughs> <Lying> on air. <laughs> to, to make this Mon has feel been recorded, better. Lyle, you liar. <laughs> uh, what are you grateful for this morning? Um, what am I grateful for? I, um, I'm forgotten what I'm grateful for, but I'm grateful for that I'm going on a road trip with my wife today to the beach. Oh, how fun. I'm jealous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I wish I knew about it. I would have tried a condo seat. <laughs> That's all good. But by the way, you are, of course, like as we mentioned before, listening to the Laidboard. Broadcast. And if you want to switch over to the live show, which we totally recommend, uh, you can just jump across, uh, download the TuneIn app. You can download that for free and uh, just search for Faith FM Australia. Stick that on your favorites list and then you can have a shortcut to it and then you can just press play. Or you can listen to us on our live stream, which is found on our website. Our website is faithfm.com.au. There you go. So stay tuned. We've got some uh, great uh, programming coming up today. In today's show, we're going to talk about an out-of-place fish. A fish on fish dry land. A fish out of water. You yes. want to talk about a fish out of water. And we're going to, we're going to be discussing a little bit of like a couple of scary, creepy technology advances. That are, it was. I know it was supposed to be good news, and I guess it's good news in terms of advancement in tech, but is it really good news? We're still deciding about that. I think it's... All advancements are good, but all advancements can be abused. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like anything else on the planet can be used for good, yeah. can be used for bad. So. Oh, I should I should say my fish out of water mm. is not just out of water, it's out of time as well. It's so out of time. By 100 million, yeah. which is the equivalent of what? One billion years yeah. in the wrong place. It's <laughs> either a fish that went for a walk or a dinosaur that went for a swim. We can't quite decide. <laughs> <laughs> and we did a really fantastic oh, this, interview this, uh, as well. Oh, Nanotechnology. You're talking about technology. Our interview is all about nanotechnology. So, um, yeah, nanotechnology is just amazing. We're talking about electric motor that um, you can fit 200,000 of them side by side in half a millimetre. Oh, stay tuned. Coming up now. We have seen the pain that shaped our hearts. And in our shame, we're still breathing Cause we have seen the hope of your healing rising from our souls Is the feeling we are drawing close Your light is shining Stand up, oh stand up, stand up 
You're listening to All Sons and Daughters with Wake Up Here on Faith FM. And Mon, we have a quiz to yes. give today. What's our quiz today? Yes, we have a quiz and it's already up on our social media. So check cool, out cool, Instagram cool. for Faith FM Live. All over case one word. What creature am I? Here's your first clue. It was while searching for these creatures. Yeah, I know it. Oh, please. Nah, I'm going to write it down for you. I'm not even going to finish. Okay, fine. He's right. <laughs> How can he be right? I haven't even yes. finished the clue. Yes. Don't gloat yes. so hard, While Lyle, because yesterday someone got the clue quiz before you did on one this clue. Is, this is saving my, my male ego has yeah, been whatever. rescued. I'm going to smash your male ego a little further today. <laughs> <laughs> what creature am I? It was while searching for these creatures that the son of Kish met Samuel. Samuel, sorry, pronounce that weird. And today's prize, I'm really excited about today's prize. Yeah, Check this out, cool. right? That have is a, seriously cool. Have a listen. Actually, do you know what? If you want to see the prize, because I put the prize up on our Insta story as well, head over to Instagram, Faith FM Live. Like I just said, tap on our profile picture and uh, you'll see the videos of me giving clues and showing you the prize. The prize is a 365 Promises from God's Word in Color book. So it's a book, it's a coloring in book. Uh, it has beautiful pictures, flowers, birds, animals, beautiful scenes, horses, all kinds of uh, different images. And then in through, woven in throughout the coloring in uh, is God's promises. So we have Bible verses, promises from God all the way through. Uh, so very, very beautiful. Like, for example, uh, promise number 62, because there's 365 of them. Promise mm-hmm. number 62 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Mm. So really beautiful, beautiful way to, um, to, to just, you know, meditate on God's word. Uh, especially for those of us who are a little bit creative, a little bit artistic, we like to, you know, um, see color and be creative. You know, we have a creative God, and and a lot of people agree with me because I I often say that when I'm being creative is when I often feel very close to God because He is a creator and I love creating too. So if you would like to get this book, you know what you have to do. You have to answer our quiz. Uh, if you want to rehear any of the clues, the quiz clues, uh, go to our Insta and check them out. You can watch them over and over again until you have memorized it, basically. There you go. Lyle, I have this creepy story. <coughs> but before I tell you this creepy story, I want to tell you the funny story. No, no, tell me the creepy story. I want to tell you the funny story. I really want to so hear I've been the creepy having story. Like a, as our listeners, I've been having a bit of a, a, bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a brain dead week. <laughs> Keep forgetting my stuff. Had to break into my own house yesterday, even though I had the key on me the whole time. Didn't even realize. Should, should we mention your trip into work? <laughs> no. I checked that with the producers. That was not a story that we could be shared on here. <laughs> but yesterday, last night. If we're going to go here, maybe we should go there. No. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'll tell your story. And if you want to tell my story, that's fine. But you're the one who gets in trouble for it, okay? I'm not going to share it. So last night, I'm already asleep in bed. And I get a, a panicked call from Lyle. And he's like, oh, Mon, we've had a thunderstorm all day. And I haven't been able to charge my phone. My battery's about to go dead. So I'm just calling you on the last little bit and uh, because my phone's going to die overnight I won't have an alarm clock to wake me up in the morning so could you call me in the morning and wake me up and I'm like Lyle how am I going to call you if your phone's dead (laughs) (laughs) and he's like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh I got such a good tummy workout laughing about that one (laughs) 
But all the dumb things I've done this week, watching my bus drive by me and forgetting my laptop twice in the one day. But you calling me to tell me to call you while your phone was dead is just too much. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And you were like, I was just so ready to go to sleep all peaceful in the knowledge that you'd call me in the morning. Lyle. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I've done this before when I've been in hotel rooms and you just call through the reception like, oh, I need a wake-up call at such and such a time and you just book it in because, you know, you're travelling, you've forgotten your phone cords or your battery's flat on your computer and uh-huh. so you just... Um, <laughs> call front desk. Call front desk. So I was just like, oh, I can't call front desk. It will like call. Yeah, Mon works the same hours I do. <laughs> She's, she, she'll, she'll oh, I feel like you don't even have an excuse. You don't even have. An, I have an excuse. You don't even have an excuse. This is, it's too funny. It's too much. It was such. I laughed for so long last night. I like seriously. I got a good I know. abs you, you, workout. You, you, you were still laughing your head off <laughs> when we got off the phone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I had to call my big brother and tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and then we both laughed together. And then you had to tell this story on air. Uh, and I've been just hanging out to do it. <laughs> I bet oh. you didn't sleep okay. all night waiting to, to tell this story. <laughs> Actually, after that big laugh, I did have a, a hard time falling back asleep. Because you know how a good tummy laugh is like a good workout? Like literally it works out your abs. I was I didn't have time to go to the gym yesterday, but I feel like I still got a workout in laughing at you, Lyle. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Back on track. Uh, hey, give us a call and tell us if you've done something completely brain dead this week, like Lyle and I have been doing. Uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Let's all have a laugh together. Um, okay. <laughs> so creepy. No, we want to hear your creepy story. Okay, You've used creepy. up all the time laughing at me. No, I haven't. I'm only halfway through. Creepy story, right, Lyle? So I'm, I'm in two minds about this. So they've created ultra lightweight gloves that allow users to touch objects in virtual reality. And we may soon have an entire suit. What? So engineers and software developers around the world, um, they've been seeking to create technology that lets users touch and grasp and manipulate virtual objects while feeling like they are actually touching something in the real world. Um, They've just made a major step forward uh, towards this goal with a new glove. So it's not only lightweight because it's under 80 grams per finger, but it also provides feedback that's just extremely realistic to the user. Um, so the glove, I'm going I'm to read out the science because I'm not really good with the science, but it says here the glove is able to generate up to 40 newtons of holding force on each finger with just 200 volts and only a few milliwatts of power. So it has the potential to run on a very small battery. Um, that together with the glove's low form factor, it's only two millimeters thick, thick so it's you know very, very thin. Um, it translates into what they what they are calling an unprecedented level of precision and freedom of movement. So they said we wanted to develop a lightweight device that, unlike existing virtual reality gloves, doesn't require a bulky exoskeleton, pumps, or a very or very thick cables. That was uh, Herbert Shea. He's the head of the Polytechnic uh, Laboratory, and um, so the scientists' glove they call it uh, Dextress. Uh, get it? Mm-hmm. Is it's made of nylon. And it has a uh, thin uh, elastic metal strips that run over the fingers, and the strips are separated by a thin insulator, right? Mm-hmm. And so, when the user's fingers come in contact with a virtual object, to so just remember that, that they think they're picking up, let's say, a water bottle, but there's actually nothing there. So, just keep that in mind. So, when they come in contact with this <coughs> virtual object that's not real, the controller applies a voltage difference between the metal strips, causing them to stick together via electrostatic attraction. 
So what that actually does mean, it means it produces a, a breaking force, so mm-hmm, to speak, mm-hmm. that blocks the fingers or thumbs movements. So your fingers and thumbs can't proceed any further as if you're touching like no a physical way. object. Yeah. And then once the voltage is removed, the metal strips then glide smoothly and the user can once again use his fingers freely. So okay, that's so I really works. want to try this because I want to, what I want to do is I want to see if I can say if I'm picking up a bottle or something like that, I want to see if I can squeeze it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if you can like, override, move against it. Yeah. Override the... Yeah. Um, <coughs> the, the, the that blocking, is seriously the blocking force. Cool. Because if you just want to use it as a uh, for entertainment or whatever, you wouldn't necessarily try and override it. You just use it as it was. Yeah, that's right. And so they say the next step, of course, is to scale up the device and apply it to other parts of the body uh, using conductive fabric. Um, so researchers are, you know, they're working on making an entire suit using this science. Um, and of course, their biggest market that they're looking at is gamers. And then after that, maybe healthcare, like as in training for surgeons. And um, and then they said, and this is a bit that scares me, as long as as well as the gamer scene, they said the technology could also be applied in augmented reality. Now, Lyle, you and I know that I have a, a like an almost nuclear hatred for video games. Like I just can't stand them. And this really disturbs me that our our because you know it is it is mostly. The men, the, the the males in our life, and also the young people. So young people and men, it disturbs me even further. They could be so taken out of reality, out of real life, and plunged into this fake reality that's just getting more and more like real life. But it isn't. It doesn't matter how like real life it becomes. It's yeah, not get out, real life. Get out and live real life. life. Get, yeah. out, get, get out and actually live life. And um, recent survey uh, conducted by a uh, mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, of ours found that one of the least attractive yes. features of men, you know, and what women, w- women are, are looking for, by. the thing that, that that women are the most repulsed by is that is when they're gamers. Yes, and I'm actually writing an article about this because I, I um I took that study and um and I have the study on my phone and um, I'm going to be writing an article about it's going to be called "What Women Really Want." And, uh, <laughs> and video gamers, before. look out because it's going to be a hard hitting piece. I'll let You're you know when it's being published. <laughs> Give us a call. What you think? One hundred Faith FM.
to CC Winnems right there with Never Have to Be. CC Winans. Every single time I've got to correct you on this one, Lyle. It's Winans. 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 It's Winans. Do you know this person? I do know this person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I also just found out that while you were calling me last night to uh, to get me to give you a call. Oh, right, oh, right, oh, right. Your wife had a perfectly working phone next to her and she could have set her alarm. Yeah, but who has a fully charged phone at the end of the day? I mean, Most people. <laughs> my phone, is, my my phone often goes flat before the end of the day. Yes, well. Anyway, moving on, changing the subject, getting away from my uh, brain lapses. We're going to uh, test your brains out. Mm-hmm. Seeing see, seeing as I got the quiz this morning, just just to remind everybody, got the quiz Go this on. morning halfway through the clue. First clue, halfway through the first clue. It wasn't even finished right. The first clue. Also, also, just want to point out that. Uh, all this week, Lyle has been um, uh, he's been goading me. I want to say because oh, because so much we fun. have this every morning. We have this little sort of <laughs> I don't know, n- not a fight, but like this little altercation where every morning I come into the office and because I've been like walking to work, I'm really hot. But he's just been sitting here for an hour and he's gotten all cold, so he turns the heater on in our tiny radio studio. So I get in here and I'm boiling hot. He's freezing cold, and the heater's on. And I'm like, Lyle, why you gotta turn on this heater? It's so hot. And he's like, No, it's so cold. So I. <laughs> I open the window and he's like, no, Mon, shut the window. It's so cold. I'm like, Lyle, it's so hot. And we go back and forth, back and forth. And all this week, I've turned up to work and the heater's been sitting on the floor. I'm like, Lyle, why would you turn the heater on this week of all weeks? It's like, it's literally warm outside. Like we definitely, it's like, this is a waste of power. So I came in today. Once again, heater's sitting on the floor. I'm like, Lyle, what's with the heater? At which point he admits that all this week, he's been setting up the heater to make it look like he's been using it just to annoy me uh, but then as he admits this he throws back his head to laugh and smashes the back of his noggin into the glass behind him <laughs> yeah I got a lump I got a lump on my head but it was totally worth it <laughs> look I'm not like one of those Buddhist people but that was instant karma for sure for sure <laughs> I think anyway we've been, we've been having just way too much fun yeah. this week Mon. Yeah. We, should, we, should, we should actually do some like serious <laughs> Bible serious, study I think at some stage okay okay well let me let me hit you with clue number two for the what creature am I quiz. And I am mixing up the clues because indeed the easy ones are at the top and the hard ones at the bottom. So I'm mixing them up. So clue number two, God said this animal was to rest on the Sabbath Ooh, along with every other animal, including all the human animals. And if you want to win uh, the prize, the prize today is a 365 promises from God's word coloring in book. It's really, really pretty. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to talk about a fish today. Oh, Yes. Go on. An out-of-place fish. Mm. You know where a fish is when it's out of place? Anywhere that's not a body of water? Yeah, kind of. This one's in rock. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A fish in rock. This one is called Piranahamesodon Pinatomas. I have a small feeling you might have mispronounced that, but go on. You think so? <laughs> you reckon? Go on. Don't let us Okay, so you. this one's a little bit out of place because it is a Triassic fish that they found next to a Jurassic dinosaur. So it's only out of place by Oops. like 100 million years. Oops. Nothing small or anything like that. Not like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a day or two out of place. Uh-huh. No, just, uh-huh. just 100 million years out of place. 
Apparently. Apparently? Apparently. <laughs> and uh, you look at the picture. It's just a piranha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We still have piranhas. Yeah, we still do. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a piranha. But they're like, oh, no, 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 it's different. Well, of course it's different. It's a little bit older than the ones we have right now. Maybe 4,000 years older than the ones we have right now, but it's still a piranha. Mm-hmm. I mean, piranhas have changed over time. It doesn't mean that uh, they're, what, 237 million years old. Where'd they find it? Uh, they found it in rock. In? In um, southern Germany. Oh, hey. There you go. Um, and, of course, they found in rock next to an Archaeopteryx. It's so Friday today. Yes, which, of course, is 150 million years old, apparently. Jurassic dinosaur. And, of course, it's just melting everybody's brains. Of course it is. Because, like, how can this fish last for 100 million years? You know, and, you know, you read the news article here. Um, <clears throat> you know, he called me and said, look at these teeth. This is quite unusual. Um, I looked in the microscope and I was completely flabbergasted. That can't happen. It's like you have a chimera or, yeah, anyway. Um, That's, it's, it, this know, is- and it's like, well, you know what? It, it, it just baffles me. That, sorry for butting you. Yeah, go on. The level of confidence mm-hmm. that scientists proclaim evolution with and then, of course, the level of absolute abject failure that they are so often faced with so when they find the something that contradicts what they yeah. believed. Yeah. And, you know, they come across something like this and like, oh, now we've got to change the dates for this particular fish. No, you don't. You just simply look at the look at the uh, at, at the evidence as it is portrayed before you. Exactly. Exactly. If I was one of these carbon dating scientists, I could never believe in evolution. I'd I'd sooner believe that we just don't know the answers <laughs> because nothing makes sense. Okay, but here's the bigger question, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got this um, archaea archaea pteritix, whatever it is mm-hmm. that's in the same layer of mud you know, yep. and there's and there's a bunch of them there's a whole bunch of them in the same layer of mud mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are a land dwelling dinosaur oh mm-hmm. okay next to it runs fish. runs around on the land yeah yeah and they're buried in the same layer of mud as a whole bunch of fish uh-huh and they're perfectly preserved. Right, so they haven't just you know rotted. We, we all know what happens when an animal dies, right? Yeah, yeah. It rots away, and mm-hmm. you don't have anything left. It turns back to dirt. Decomposes. Okay, so these didn't turn back to dirt. They're perfectly preserved. You see, see the pictures of these things. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a piranha. I've seen plenty of piranhas in my life. I know exactly what they look like. Yeah, it's yeah. It's perfectly preserved, and next to perfectly preserved dinosaurs. Okay, so what? How did that happen? Did the dinosaurs go swimming, die on the bottom of the ocean, and then not, no, 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 and then not no, no, rot? No, no. And the then fish, not rot? The fish went for a walk. Oh, the yeah, fish went for a yeah, walk and then died on the surface of the land. And they still didn't, like things did not rot <laughs> yeah, back then. No, no. Because there was no bacteria. It, uh, it was um, magic or, or voodoo. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, but then it gets better than that. It gets better than that, right? Yeah, go on, go on. Because this fish mm-hmm. is, you know, this piranha is surrounded by other small fish. Oh, my. And a bunch of these other small fish, guess what? They are missing fins and bits and pieces off them. So the piranha's been having a bit of a munch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So the piranha has a bit of a munch, but these are not fatal um, munches. You know, you just take a fin yeah. off here and yeah, there, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But then suddenly they're all just frozen in time like... Mm. The piranha, the fish that the piranha is eating... And the dinosaur... And the dinosaur, all frozen in time, side by side. It's like, am I the only one? Am I the only one who can see what's happening here? Yeah, they, they, they have suddenly been covered by mud in the middle of whatever they were doing. That's it. 
instantaneous catastrophic flood. Right there. Exactly, exactly. The you know, flood this that is, makes this the is best the, sense. This is the most obvious thing ever. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I just look at that and like, okay, things that die rot. Yeah. I don't have to be a scientist to know that this mm-hmm. is this is this is something that is is testable. You can open your fridge and look at your It is repeatable. Sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, what's the scientific method again? Testable, repeatable, observable, and observable. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, mm-hmm. we can all do that. Yep. Yeah. Put even put it in your fridge. It's going to get yep. mouldy in a, a, a little short space of time. Uh, <clears throat> and yet, um, we are told, oh no, 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 these they, they died you know, millions of years ago, and of course now they were completely in the wrong place. Only a hundred million years out of uh, out of sync with each other. That's, I think that's one of the things that I love about the Bible is it's there's so much evidence. There's so much evidence around the planet to support the stories in it, the claims in it. You know, it's, I, I, it's, it almost hurts my soul a bit to hear people who like who who are claiming to be Christians or some sort of believers and who then at this in the same breath say that oh it's just a bunch of myths it didn't actually yeah. happen. So you know we should look at it as like a parable as opposed to an actual. Yeah, and of course you've got scientists here who are who are believing. Mm-hmm. In evolution, it's it's a belief. It's it's all based on faith. Yeah, the scientific method does not apply to historical science mm-hmm. uh, because nothing in historical science can be um, tested, um, repeated, observed, or repeated. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. you, you look at the evidence that you've got and you write a story based around that. It's a narrative. It's a you're writing a novel in essence. And uh, we've been talking about this quite a bit with you know some of our creation scientist uh, scientists at the creation science um, super conference. And so there's a very big difference between. But what what scientists always like to portray is that historical science is the same as experimental science. And the the great thing about experimental science is there is nothing in experimental science that has ever proven the Bible wrong. Not a single solitary thing Amen. amongst amongst what is uh, you know um, observable, testable, and repeatable. Amen. Nothing that has proven the Bible wrong. And as Christians, we shouldn't shy away from science discussions because we'd have the Bible, we have the truth. So we need to uh, educate ourselves on that matter and uh, and be bold in speaking about it. Stephen Taylor, right after this. You are my joy. You are my song You are the way The one I'm drawing from You are my refuge My whole life long Where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me your love defends me And when I feel like I'm all alone Your love defends me Your love defends me Yeah Day after day Night after night Surely my God is the strength of my soul 
enter my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like more Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88. I'm here with Professor Stephen Taylor from the University of Liverpool in the United Kingdom, where he has been on the staff there for more than 40 years. Now, Dr. Taylor, you have a special interest in mass spectrometry, spectrometry, try and get my uh, tongue around that word right there, uh, electromagnetics and nanotechnology. Uh, Dr. Taylor, welcome to the program. Hello, Lyle. Nice to be with you. Now, we're going to specifically be talking about nanotechnology here this morning. I have noticed that a few years back in 2014 that a Japanese company, uh, Yuniki Precision, produced a DC electromagnetic motor that is just 0.6 of a millimetre across. That is a seriously tiny motor. It is indeed. And, of course, that's a modern version of the earlier uh, work that was done by a student of uh, Richard Feynman in California in 1959. Um, uh, Fe- uh, McClellan's motor was just about the same size. It fitted in 1 64th of an inch cube, so that's 0.4 millimeters, so around about the same size as the, uh, as the modern ones. Uh, performance not quite as good as the modern ones, but that was the start of the micro-machined era. The beginnings of nanotech. Yeah, and Feynman himself, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, very influential, said, it is a staggeringly small world that is below. Future generations will wonder why it took us so long to enter into the nano, the nano world, that sub-micrometer. So just to get that straight, yep. one millimeter, a thousandth of a meter. One micron, a thousandth of a millimeter. And one nanometer, a thousandth of a micron, or if you like, a billionth of a meter, the staggeringly small. Yes, I don't have a tape measure that will go that small. (laughs) Think of a human hair, 
A human hair is about 20 microns, depends on your hair, but 20 microns in diameter. So that's if you put a, um, a micrometer on it, you might be able to measure it, a good micrometer. 20 microns, 10 to 20, that sort of range, that's a hair. So one nanometer would be uh, a thousand, more than a thousand times smaller than the width of a human hair. Okay, so, so let's talk about this, uh, this for a moment. The Namiki motor, um, 0.6 of a millimetre, the uh, McClellan motor, 0.4 of a millimetre. Um, this, is, this is really serious stuff. Now, Namiki also produced one. The, the Namiki motor is a very simple motor. They did produce one that is a geared motor, um, which is two millimetres, so I guess that's, that's above the size of nano now, once it goes above the size of a millimetre? Yeah, that would be micro, micro. I mean, it's still very good. It's still oh, very yeah. high-tech. And, uh, you know, surgical applications for in-body, in-vivo surgery, that sort of thing. Um, Micro-manipulation. Yeah, this is serious engineering, and you'll pay a premium for those sort of motors. Okay. Now, you're going to be talking about a motor, or you've been talking about a motor here at the uh, Creation Ministries International uh, um, Super Conference um, that is truly next level. Now, what is the size of the electric motor that you are talking about? The one I've been speaking about here is actually 20 nanometers, so that's over uh, 200,000 times smaller than the McClellan motor. Um, similar sort of factor for the Namiki motor. Uh, we're talking of hundreds of thousands of times smaller than the best uh, uh, man-made man motor to date. Okay, so, so, so just to put this in perspective, how many of these motors that you're talking about, could you, if you line them up, how many of them would you fit within a millimeter? Okay, well within a human hair you'd fit a thousand. Okay. So we're going to another factor of 1,000 on top of that. You'd fit 200,000. 200, so 200,000 of these motors you could fit within one millimeter. With ease. That's, uh, that is truly next level right there. Now, the Namigi motor works because of its simplicity. It's got no gears or field windings, bearings, those kind of things. Um, the motors that you're talking about, are they as simple as that? How, how many components does it actually have? Well, it's difficult to say because uh, it depends whether you count individual atoms as components um, yes, yeah, so I guess the, when, you, when, you've, when you've got a motor that you can fit 200,000 of them within a millimetre, <laughs> we're talking about atoms, aren't we? We are talking at the atomic <coughs> level. Um, and of course, modern uh, integrated circuits are down to the hundreds of atoms uh, length between the source and the drain of a, of a MOSFET transistor. But these, uh, these very small motors are actually, they operate differently than the McClellan or the Namiki motor. They operate with a flux of hydrogen ions which drives the motor around. So it's an electrostatic drive, not an electromagnetic drive. Okay, that's, that's, that's really fascinating. Now, the, the, just comparing it with the, uh, the Namiki motor, um, which, uh, you know, it spins relatively slowly. What, what kind of revs does, will the, will, will the uh, one you're talking about, what, uh, what will it spin at? 7,000 up to 9,000 uh, RPM. Okay. So it's 150 hertz. Yeah, that's um, and that's a lot faster than what the engine in your car is going to, to rev Absolutely, at. yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lifetime warranty? It's over, yeah, indeed. It'll <laughs> last for years, uh, up, to, uh, up to 100 years. Um, a lifetime warranty indeed, and of course it's staggeringly efficient. All right, so your internal combustion engine, which runs your motor car, has efficiency of about 20%. Um, an electromagnetic motor, say an efficiency of... On, in a good one, maybe 90%? Yeah, 1995 is the best you get, but yep. uh, that's good, yeah. And this, this particular one that you're talking about? Um, it's 99% plus. 
Okay, how do you get 99% plus? That's well, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to measure. I mean... Uh, so I guess nothing is 100%. Absolutely, yeah. We, we, can't, uh, we can't defeat the uh, law of thermodynamics here. But um, this one comes close. It's, uh, it's staggeringly high, highly efficient in its operation. Okay, so when we talk about nanotechnology, you've got the, uh, the McClellan motor back in uh, 1959. You've got you know, a more recent run than the Namiki motor um, in 2014. Um, how, how old is this one? How long has this one been around well, for? Well, this one's been around about 6,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're starting to get a little bit of a picture here that uh, this is not your average nanotechnology. This is actually biological rather than... Absolutely. <coughs> yeah, should, we, should we give the game away? This is the ATP synthase micromotor. Let me just unpack those terms. ATP stands for adenosine triphosphate and that is the energy molecule that drives all cells so all of life bacteria to biologists um, we're driven by ATP uh, this energy called uh, energy molecule called ATP uh, adenosine triphosphate and to make that molecule there is a tiny motor in our cells, and there's trillions of them in our body. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You've brought some samples of, uh, of these motors with you from the UK to Australia. How, how many samples have you brought? Well, there's 20 trillion in me, and there's a similar number in you, <laughs> because they're all over our bodies. They're in all of our cells. 20 trillion. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, going back to the workings of it and what it's actually accomplishing. So you've got, we're, we're, we've got 20 trillion electric micro nano motors within our bodies within our cells uh, they're in the cell membrane they're attached to the cell membrane they work by the passage of a hydrogen ion flux through the motor through a channel in the motor called the proton channel it turns the motor at roughly 100 150 hertz that's um, equivalent to 6,000 to 9,000 rpm much faster than your car engine and uh, they give you the energy, they give the cell the energy that it needs to power the muscles every time we blink, every time we move. Um, the other things that are going on in our bodies are all powered by ATP, which is produced by this motor generator called ATP synthase. So it's not just a motor, it's a motor generator. Yeah. It does both functions. Absolutely. It's now I've seen, I've seen some, some diesel engines that have yeah. a, motor, motor, a motor generator. Yeah. So it's the same concept? Same concept. You have a stator. We talk about stators in electrical machines, the bit that's stationary. You have a rotor. We talk about rotors in electrical modern electrical machines, which is the rotating part. We talk about the drive shaft, which, uh, which transmits the power from one side to another. Um, we talk about the drive mechanism, which in this case, as I say, is a, is a proton flux. And this motor has all of those things, and its function is to generate the ATP molecules which give us our energy. So it is a motor for the purposes of generation. Okay, so these ATP molecules give us our energy. Now, somewhere in your presentation, you were depicting things coming in and things going out. Yeah, this is amazing. The, the ATP molecule, adenosine triphosphate, is a highly energetic molecule. So the ATP synthase produces one of these or produces three of these every time it rotates and they go off and do some work they give their expend their energy in our cells first enable the cell to do something um, movement or something like that and they then the molecule ATP 
is uh, reduced to ADP adenosine triphosphate and that is uh, a used or a spent ATP. So we have ATP gets used up, becomes ADP, mm -hmm. and what the ATP synthase machine does is it takes in used molecules, ADPs, and it lifts them to a higher energy level and makes them into ATPs. It basically then, charges them. It charges them. It's a bit like charging the batteries up. Mm -hmm. You've got these little imagine it, little tiny batteries coming into the synthase, they're being charged up, and they're being uh, released again into the cell to be able to do useful work and then come back when they're spent to be recharged again. So it's not only a motor and a generator system, it is also a recycling system uh, and it's at the nanoscale and it works wonderfully well. Now if I want to charge the batteries in my in my torch, my flashlight, it's going to take me uh, about three or four hours to charge them. How long does this particular motor take to charge these particular molecules? Well, we've got a, if, if it's rotating at 100 <laughs> hertz and we get three ATPs spat out every um, rotation, every, every rotation. So this is this is 300 milliseconds at least, or, or faster. Yep. So we're in the order of milliseconds to be able to charge up the tiny ADPs into ATPs. Okay, so what we're dealing with then is nanotechnology that is just at an unimaginable scale working at efficiencies that are completely unknown to engineers today. Correct. Um, and we are then told that, of course, all of this evolved you know, is human life possible without you know this this, this tiny generator, uh, generator motor? No, this is the this is the point that the um, you, you life all of life needs ATP. It's the energy currency. It's the fuel. So as petrol is to a petrol engine, as diesel is to a diesel engine, as money is to the economy, uh, to help it go round. So life needs ATP to help it keep moving. And uh, you cannot have um, life without ATP. It's very important because, of course, evolution is said to take place by the processes of natural selection and mutation, neither of which can uh, provide an increase in information, of course. But let's just go with that for a moment. You need living things for natural selection and mutation to operate upon but with living things, you need ATP synthase to be there first in order for evolution to actually get off the blocks, get off the starting blocks. So here's a real, a real chicken and egg situation. How can life start without ATP? We don't know uh, on a naturalistic basis. And how can uh, um, a chance process, undirected, um, produce such a marvel as ATP synthase? Yeah, and this and this is the whole point right here. That uh, you, you know, when I look at this, this is this is technology that is far beyond. You know, it's taken humans six thousand years to be able to come up with technology like the Namiki motor, and you can fit what two hundred thousand of these inside a Namiki motor, and a Namiki motor is, is is tiny. It can swim up your blood vessels and do all kinds of medical procedures, and we think, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, nobody is claiming that the Namiki motor evolved. Correct. Everyone is saying, well, it's obvious, isn't it? No one would say that. <laughs> you can see it, you, can, you look at it, and it's, it's, yeah. the, the, um, the design is right there. You absolutely. Know? And Mr. Min Mr. Namiki is laughing all the way to the bank as he goes and you know, takes the uh, well-deserved well profits for what he's done. 
and that's fine. Um, you know, we recognize good engineering when we see it. Now, why is it so difficult when we see engineering that surpasses what we can actually do? Why is it so difficult to ascribe that sort of engineering to a marvelous creator, designer, yeah. uh, who the Bible calls God? And of course, this is what we call in, uh, in, in creation science, irreducible complexity. Or, uh, or within science, I should say. We, in, within science, it's irre irreducible complexity. Absolutely. Um, you, you would never, um, uh, if, if, if part, of the electron, uh, part of the ATP synthase is not there, the stator, the rotor, the drive shaft, the proton channels, the wrong place or wrong uh, shape, or the actual binding site for the ADPs, is, uh, is incorrect, then the whole thing does not work as ATP synthase. It won't work to give you the ATP uh, that we need. It's a very fine-tuned rotational catalysis system which all the parts need to be in place for it to work. And I, I don't see how uh, this sort of system can evolve through a chance undirected process. It just does not stack up. Mm -hmm. Yes, then the Mickey motor didn't come out of an explosion, and uh, and this particular um, motor did not come out of an explosion. Or Dr. Stephen Taylor, thank you very much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much, Lyle. And uh, we're going to be moving on. We'll be back again with more great programming right after this.
Because He lives 
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.